0: You are receiving a collect call from... Republica Authoritania Secret site. This call may be monitored for quality and national allegiance purposes. Thank you. Good day, my fellow autocrats. I know that our last episode was a little lighthearted and a lot of fun, but this right now is very real. This isn't a simulation. It seems my messages and lessons to you have caught up with me. Turns out, the state wasn't so happy with my calls for revolution and messaging on how to overthrow your democracy. And as I stepped outside to walk my dog, a bag was shoved over my head, I was pushed to the ground and cuffed, and whisked away in a van. So here I am, in this uh, prison, this gulag, uh, Amazon fulfillment center, uh, whatever you want to call it. This is my one phone call before my swift trial and uh, probable disappearance, so we better make this count. I promised I would give you the tools to become a leader most feared. That's what I'm going to do today, without fail. So who arrested me? What's a black site? Why didn't you hear about my detention on the news? I'll answer all your questions as we talk about the secretive organizations that turn your dictator desires into law, and your political meddlers into memories. Who do you, the leader of a nation, call when things turn bad, when you find yourself in danger, when your life hangs in the balance? It's simple, really. You call the police. Welcome to the new age of government. Welcome to Authoritania. Man, these cuffs are tight. I mean, you can't see when I record these, but I move my hands a lot. this is really difficult to do without some nice hand gestures. In any case, you might be asking yourself, Nikhil, this is really cliche. I mean, we were talking about police brutality and oppression months ago. I mean, this is late in the game, don't you think? Maybe I am late to the 2020 police brutality beat, but what we're talking about today is as timeless as the act of political oppression itself. If you're going to become an autocrat, you are instantly going to become the target for assassination. I mean, someone is going to try to kill you. The Ceausescu's were executed following a summary trial With the rise of an authoritarian regime, there will always be the rise of a militant civilian organization meant to limit your power and, quote-unquote, free your people. There will be those who will protest your dominance until the very end, and they just don't seem to get the brilliance of what you're trying to achieve and why you deserve to be the god-emperor of their people. If they band together, organize, and make it their mission to oust you and your crew, This situation is completely unacceptable, and we cannot stand by and watch. So we've got to snuff out these radicals and traitors before they even get close to coming together. So how do we find them and put them away? Well thankfully, you've got a trusty band of thugs with the law on their side, and if you keep them happy, protect them, and pay them. They'll do your bidding in the name of the law, and not even the protesters themselves could stop them. Policing around the world started with monarchy guards and patrols. Some called it the king's guard or Royal Patrol, but their mission was the same walked through the streets of a kingdom and ensured that order was maintained, while escorting members of royalty. Other notable law enforcement figures included tax or tribute collectors. These people would have the added benefit of traveling to vassal states and controlled territories to ensure that their proper taxes and tributes to the crown were being paid. It's really hard to maintain order when you don't have cameras everywhere, so other subjects were recruited as spies and informants. In other cases, especially outside of the guise of royal structures, wealthy individuals, landlords, and private businessmen may employ some big, scary-looking guys to maintain order in their place of business. One could also pay them some cash to disrupt a competitor's business, if one was so inclined, but that was only on rare, uh, necessary occasions. In colonial America, police forces were traditionally supplemented by either volunteer or voluntold night watchmen or slave patrols. Controlling these groups was not entirely effective. Night watchmen would often drink on the jobs or engage in the nefarious activities they were charged with stopping, and slave patrols were either benevolent peacekeepers to one group, or practically terror organizations, actually literally terror organizations, to another. This is a massive simplification of early criminal justice history, but you get the idea. Law enforcement was really only motivated by decrees from those in power and the money that wealthy patrons could offer them. By this logic, we should be able to take control of the cops and snuff out any chance of a revolution against us. All we have to do is make certain actions like supporting human rights, uh, protesting against the government, or just looking like a possible dissenter criminal offenses, and they'll go right to jail. Police forces today are given huge guns and fleets of vehicles. It'll be no problem to bring this problem to an end. Here's the issue we have. There's no way of knowing whether or not these guys will go along with us. I mean, like I said, control of a law enforcement group isn't always effective. I mean, sure, 65% of police officers may have voted for Donald Trump, but they wouldn't allow armed people to storm something like the Capitol building on his orders. Right. Well, wait, that no, that that happened. Um, well, all right, but if we give police the power, they might take it from us. I mean, if we really try to screw with the rule of law in the country, they'll just turn around and kick us out, Right. I mean, we embolden them too much, they might just overthrow us directly and gain the position we've busted our ass to get to. So, we can't let that happen, okay? I will not be ruled by Officer Krupke. I mean, we could turn to the military. Yeah, I mean, we could. Once you become a leader with the cult of personality we've cultivated and the backing of a failed democratic system we've corrupted, we're basically the living embodiments of the country. To protect you and the legitimacy of your rule is to defend the nation itself, then. And sure, dictators have been allowed to sit on their thrones for decades because of their control of the military. You're the commander-in-chief as a dictator. Besides getting a dope army jacket, sunglasses, and enough medals and decor to cover a Christmas tree, you literally control legions of guns. I'm in, I'm in. My fucker thinks he can take on the Red Army. I fuck Germany. But there's that pesky control thing again. It's not your finger on the trigger, it's thousands of individual fingers controlled by other people. And until we perfect a system of easy breezy mind control across all of our soldiers, there is no guarantee that the waves of propaganda and senses of duty we've infused in them will actually follow through. In the 2016 attempted coup in Turkey, it was military members who began the insurrection, not civilian activists. When Nicolae Ceaușescu of Romania came to the end of his reign in 1989, it was the military switching sides that allowed him to go from living in the largest palace in Europe to being shot next to a toilet. No, we can't trust the military. Not completely. So maybe the police are the better bet? Ah, jeez, this is so confusing. I mean, god, would it just be nice to go back to that system of spies and kingly guards, just get a network of people to do your bidding, just silently and inform. What happened to those? We wouldn't trouble the people with pesky revolts and fighting, we could just take it all out from the inside. What we need is a secret police force, but, like, secretive. Secret police. Ooh, that's a bingo! (laughs) You might know secret police forces by alternative titles, like intelligence agencies or security consultants. They're usually intelligence, police, or security agencies that are hallmarks of an authoritarian state. They usually report directly to a leader or a member of a leader's inner circle. They gather information, they coordinate with people on the ground, and they initiate operations for the quote-unquote protection of the state. It's hard to really pinpoint the first instances of what constitutes a modern secret police force. Some historians trace it to the Ming Dynasty in the 14th century. The Embroidered Uniformed Guard was a group of imperial bodyguards that protected the Emperor Zhu Yuanzhang or Hongwu, during battle. Hongwu was the founder of the Ming Dynasty, and after his victories, he grew suspicious of his subjects' loyalty. Just as he quickly rose to the top of imperial China, he could swiftly be overthrown or assassinated. He instructed his guard to spy on the citizens and inspect them in the event that they could be planning revolutionary actions. The embroidered guard were authorized to overrule judicial proceedings in prosecuting those deemed as enemies of the state. And they were granted full autonomy in arresting, interrogating, and detaining them without trial and punishing them without going through due process. At their height, the guard carried out the extrajudicial executions of 40,000 people, at which point Hongwu scaled back their duties in an attempt to limit the perception of his rule as abusive. Well, it's a little late for that, dog. The embroidered guard may have been disbanded after a measly 260 years, but the secret police forces they inspired persevere to this very day. Notable examples along the way include the Oprichniki, the first Russian political police force under Ivan the Terrible, the NKVD, another Russian police force responsible for around one million deaths during the Great Terror of Joseph Stalin, the Savak, who tortured hundreds of people seeking to overthrow the first Pahlavi Shah of Iran, the Gestapo, which hopefully needs no introduction, and if it does, go read a book, The FBI's COINTELPRO, which gave authorization for assassinations, beatings, and kidnappings of civil rights organizers and political protesters across the United States, and so on and so forth. Even if you're not trying to become an autocrat or strongman leader, if you've painted yourself as a democratically elected People's President, you can still enjoy secret policing as you attempt to control nations around the world. You can call upon your previously existing intelligence agencies like the CIA, MI6, Mossad, or FSB to get some people on the ground and create a little you know, death squad or armed gang. Just support previously existing militias to take out other autocrats and governments that stand in your way of success. Now, clearly, you don't have to be a full-fledged dictator to enjoy the benefits of secret policing at home either. By using your local law enforcement, you can essentially create a secret police system without even establishing a formal office. COINTELPRO is a great example of this, but it's not the only example in America. In 2020, Donald Trump created the Protecting American Communities Task Force, or PACT for short, This was under the Department of Homeland Security, and essentially gave the authorization for law enforcement officials across multiple departments and agencies to go to protests around the United States to protect federal property, monuments, and statues that might be vandalized or pulled down, because, God forbid, a Klansman loses his place of honor. These forces were most visibly present in Portland, Oregon, where they were observed arresting protesters and placing them in unmarked vans. Now as a person who just got thrown into an unmarked van and carted away, that hits the nail on the head a bit too well. I'm not the only person to have been treated this way. I mean, the grab, bag, and drag system has been used on protesters everywhere. When I lived in Azerbaijan, anti-government protests were often broken up by policemen grabbing protesters, putting them in a car, and driving them to the opposite side of the city, and pushing them out. It's a great way of breaking up a protest, scaring a political opponent, or just generally asserting your dominance. Sometimes, however, they don't get pushed out. Sometimes they wind up in a car, they get driven away. And like that, he's gone. That brings me to where I am now. I have no idea. I I couldn't tell you at all. I don't think anyone in prison here could tell you. I mean, that's evidence enough to tell me that this is probably what's known as a black site. You might associate that term more with the CIA, where our nation's proud defenders of liberty and human rights cart terrorists off before their trials or investigations to torture and interrogate them until they admit to their wicked deeds. The reason they call these black sites is because everything that happens in here happens in the dark. Human rights violations and war crimes take place in these places daily. Is this legal? Kinda, yeah because of a nice definition of them as Enhanced Interrogation Techniques by the Bush Administration. If you thought this ended with the Obama Administration, however, you're delusional. Sure, the Administration announced in 2009 that all the CIA black sites had been decommissioned. They also announced that the CIA could no longer use all the methods of interrogation conceivable in the human consciousness. Only 19 of them. They could use more, actually, but they'd have to ask the Attorney General first. So what's the problem? The U.S. admitted to holding prisoners aboard warships for interrogation long after this action, and torture can continue to be utilized against prisoners of war because of the lack of rights and the lack of observation they have in detention as enemy combatants. One of the biggest things both parties can agree on, however, is that torture works, and it's very useful. It's not likely to go away anytime soon. At one particularly heinous black site, upwards of 7,000 people have disappeared between the years of 2004 and 2015. When a person was taken into the site, there was no arrest record, no additional files, not so much as a receipt. Lawyers were only provided to less than 1% of detainees. Even then, the meetings were quick, and they did little to provide them legal defenses. When questioned by officials in this black site, detainees as young as 15 are taken to so-called interview rooms, where they are shackled for hours and beaten. People, charged with no crime, have been taken into this room and have never stepped out alive. This site wasn't in Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, or even a traditional autocratic nation. This site was in Chicago, Illinois, United States of America. It's called Homan Square. You may have heard about it in the news a few years back, after the news site The Guardian published an exposé on the practices. And since then, Chicago PD and the city have engaged in legal actions, not against Tomon Square, and not against the Chicago PD, but against the news organization. They've sought to shut down the story, and they've barred anyone who isn't being interrogated or doing the interrogating from even getting near the site. The United States has a long history of disappearing people, both at home and abroad. During the brutal US-sponsored military dictatorship of 1970s Argentina, over 30,000 people were disappeared in a series of kidnappings, raids, and helicopter rides. Men, women, and children were wiped off the face of the earth for their work in restoring peace, civility, and human rights to a country whose democratically elected leaders were overthrown for American political expedience and economy. To this day, thousands are missing. Hundreds of children have been given to new families, given new names, and don't know their true backgrounds. The mothers and grandmothers of these children search for them still. Conducting DNA tests of mass grave sites, donating blood, and searching for non-existent records that document each of the lives lost during this time. All right, Nico. come on, you're citing a story, one that happened in 2015 and another that happened in the 1970s. Surely we've grown since then. This is Biden's America, after all. A spokesman for the Chicago PD in 2020 stated that Homan Square is fully operational. And as I said, thousands and thousands of people in Argentina are still looking for the desaparecidos. Many autocracies utilize black sites, like Homan Square, in the cases of forced disappearances, also known as state-sponsored murder, a crime against humanity according to the International Court of Justice. Some democracies do as well, making its creation and implementation rather easy in our budding autocracies. Your highly motivated secret police force or personal guard would be more than willing to make use of one anyway. I mean, it keeps their names and faces out of the mud, keeps yours out as well. It allows them to use horrible methods to get useful information for you, and provides an area for them to live out their power trips. And if you get into trouble, you, if they don't hide their killings in a black site, if somehow a pesky journalist breaks the story and shatters the veneer of your beautiful security state, then that's easy enough. It's time for a couple of good old-fashioned pardons. President Trump's decision to pardon four American security guards involved in the infamous Blackwater Massacre has horrified survivors of this 2007 incident. Some media obfuscation. You are fake news, sir. And a couple of well-placed testimonies that shift the blame away from you for these terrible crimes. They would be blaming immigrants and poor people. And the world will go on as planned. At the end of the day, you're still in charge. You have an army of armed thugs to protect you and your power, and you have the looming threat of disappearance and state-sponsored murder to silence those who question you. You are truly a god, with the ability to empower and kill at your whim. There is nothing that you can do now to even stop yourself. Now that's all the time I have, and... but trust me, I'll be back soon. Don't worry about my place in this black site. There's always one surefire way of escaping. I have friends. Powerful friends. And in the end, connections to people with guns, money, and power are the only thing that really matters. In the end, even the most powerful people on Earth can be disappeared and replaced by a faceless mob, loyal to a new leader. All you have to do, when you're in trouble, is call for security. I'm Nikhil Jane, and I've been your autocrat for today. I'll see you in the revolution. Authoritania is written and hosted by Nikhil Jane, produced and edited by Kennedy Mangus. Original music by Sloan Welsh. That's Sloaney Baloney on Instagram with two Y's. If you want to hear more from us, support our work, or buy us a cup of coffee, visit our Patreon page at patreoncom authoritania. You can find us on Twitter at authoritania and tweet us your questions, and we'll talk about them on the show. Royalty-free music from Christian Bothy and Pixabay. Sound effects from Zapsplat.